Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. Adam Conley is unavailable today, but we have a very special guest with us today. Elizabeth Nudie, a local artist, yoga teacher, and musician. Uh, We'll hear a little bit more from her in a few minutes. Uh, You're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And that was an original song we started hearing from Elizabeth Nudie. And it's called New Frontier, The Wild Unknown. Let's listen to the whole thing and come back and talk with Miss Nudie. That was, uh, what do we call that one? New Frontier, The Wild Unknown. And that was a song that you did back in 2014, I think, right? That's right. Okay. We're here with Elizabeth Nudie, who's a local artist um, and uh, yoga teacher and a musician, too. Um, We'll try to touch on all those (laughs) things. (laughs) All right, so that, let's just touch base on some of this music background that you have. Um, that was a song seemed to be inspired by kind of a, the kind of songs you might hear in a yoga class, or uh, that were that that come from uh, you know bands like Desert Dwellers or some of those um, yoga centric kind of musicians. So, uh, what's uh, how did you come up with that? What was the source of that song? Um. 
Well, actually, when I first got my Mac computer, the, one of the first things I did was open up GarageBand because I had been dying to uh, create my own music. So that was, I think, one of the first songs that I created on GarageBand using quite a few of their uh, loop tracks. So it was just sort of a layering of beats and tracks and some of my own vocals and some of my own uh, instruments to experiment with sound. So I, I'm, I'm a big sound person. I'm a drummer, um, love music. So it was just a combination of experimenting with different tracks. And of the, mu- of the musical instruments that you come across, you would consider yourself uh, to be a drummer as opposed to um, a straight-out percussionist or um, into some other kind of stringed instruments and things like that. Yeah, I, I, my training is in West African drumming, so traditional West African music and beats. Um, but I also experiment quite a bit with uh, flutes and vibrational uh, instruments, bowls, gongs, bells. So I have quite a few things okay. at Let, my house. <laughs> wow, let's let's unwrap this. So yeah. uh, growing up, I don't think your parents uh, were listening to that kind of music. Um, they were probably listening to um, perhaps even show tunes. So your dad was in the um, a professional actor for a while. So what kind of music specifically did you listen to when you were growing up around the house? Uh, mostly classical music. Okay. So WFMT um, from Chicago was always on in yeah. our house. And uh, music was a huge part of my childhood, um, especially because of my dad. He was a musician, uh, played trombone. Oh, okay. And loved music. So it was a big thing for us to sit down in the living room and play records and listen to music. So classical music was big. Uh, also, kind of like jazz bands or big bands. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Louis like, Armstrong, that mm, kind of thing? More like or? Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Oh, okay. Oh, um, big band big rock band, sounds, rock like R&B. And, yeah, rock uh-huh. music, but something that had interesting arrangements. and Right. Yeah. So we, we would spend a lot of time with music in our house. And sure. was this on, uh, on vinyl albums? Did yep. you have a big vinyl collection? and. Pulled big, out the albums yep, and big oh, vinyl fun. collection, big speakers. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was a big part of. of oh, that's great. Up. So it wasn't yeah. passive. It wasn't that uh, the stuff was going on in the background. You guys would sit down as a family and go through all that. Yeah. And uh, but on top of that, there was the classical music from the radio. And right, were there any particular radio stations that uh, you guys listened to other than FMT? Not really. No, just no, mostly. That, yeah. So and you grew up in the Chicago area, so you had that uh, connection. Yeah. Um, and w- when you uh, were, th- that was when you were a little kid, I would imagine, yep. listening to those kinds of things. And then did, when was the first time you learned an instrument? You know, what kind of uh, musical training did you have at an early age? Um, I was, I wanted to play drums. As Even a little, from a little kid? Yes, uh-huh. yes. And I remember getting a drum for Christmas Probably when I was about five. Oh, so they they were right on board. They were right on board. They knew. Although I never, that was, lessons weren't um, part of, like musical lessons weren't Uh weren't part of my childhood. Even through the school system, like they didn't have, uh, you know, band 
um, requirements and things like that? I think I played the recorder. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a bit flute like. There was that period of time when yeah. everyone played the recorder. Yeah, yeah. And piano, um, we had a piano in the house. I was fascinated by the piano, but never got piano lessons. Uh-huh. So it was just more about experimenting. I think it was right. more experimental um, in playing. Just just getting the opportunity to to feel comfortable with the instrument and and uh, how it made sounds and right things playing like in that. a more non-traditional way yeah yeah did you um ever learn how to read music did no. that okay so mm-hmm. so all of your musical training has been sort of hands-on and making sounds that you wanted to be able to make through these various instruments that you had access to yeah uh what kind of drum was this first drum was it um like a djembe kind of drum or a snare drum? It was a or, snare drum. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Nudy sitting in the living room just banging on a snare drum. Yeah, I think I got a snare drum and my brother uh, got a xylophone. So oh, all right. We, you know, we would make some tracks yeah. back then, yeah. Uh, oh, and even back then you <laughs> I guys I think we, were... would, we would tape it on the, re- on the little tape uh-huh. recorder machine. Is your brother a musician today? No, he's into music too, uh-huh. but he doesn't play either. Yeah, okay. or, you know, traditional or right, um, classical, right. yeah. So how did that early exposure to um, music in the house and uh, music that you were early creating result in your interest in West African music? Well, I think it was the drum that I wanted to play. It was just something I was attracted to, the beats, the rhythms, dance. I've always been big into dance. So I think it was... A, Mm, in the 80s, mid-80s, that or no, mid-90s. I think it was mid-90s, and I was taking a yoga class, and it was more of a freestyle dance kinetics, so it incorporated dance and yoga. And there was a guy playing a djembe for, live for the class, and when I heard that drum, I thought, that's the drum that I want to play. And a, and a djembe is um, about a, what, three-foot-tall, uh, wood-sided single drum head kind of drum with strings on the side? Yeah. So in, in Africa, it's made from one solid piece of wood, and they have craftsmen that carve out the center for the hole, and it's an hourglass-shaped drum with a goatskin head, and it's strung with strings. So the strings create the tension on the on the skin to be able to play. Okay. Uh, and so that that first exposure to it led you to, to go out and buy your own djembe right after that? Yes. Pretty soon? <laughs> yes. So, But the djembe that I bought was an American-made drum, which was made with staves, so pieces of wood. Uh-huh. Like and, a, like a um, barrel might be. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And w- when I played it, I thought, this doesn't sound like a djembe, um, which led me down a trail of finding out oh. that what I really had heard was a West African drum. Uh-huh. And sounds very different than just sort of, the drum that I had was more of a pretty drum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like it would be nice in the corner <laughs> yes. with, uh, it, you know, it made tapestries sound. and stuff right. Right, hanging but around it, the room. Yes, it didn't have the crisp sound yeah. that uh, a West African drum had. And at some point, did you start taking lessons to learn? Oh, yes. Okay. So yeah. So, tell us about that. So the, the pretty drum uh, led to me finding someone who tuned drums. And uh, once I met this guy, which his name was Taylor, um, in Chicago, he was starting to get into drums, and he was able to reskin drums and restring drums. So he thought, okay, let's try it. Let's restring your pretty drum. See if it sounds any. It's actually that's the name of my drum. It's pretty. It's really. <laughs> pretty <it's> a, <laughs> but we, he restrung the drum, 
and it still sounded pretty bad. So I ended up pretty buying. drum sounded pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. Bad. <laughs> so I ended up getting a, a West African drum from Taylor, and he was just getting into it. So we became friends. We started just playing, messing around with drums. We'd stay up until two in the morning with a bunch of friends playing. Um, he got more involved with traditional West African drumming, and eventually quit his day job and started teaching at the Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago. Sure. So he started learning uh, traditional West African and started teaching. I started taking lessons. And then that's sort of the beginning of my traditional West African uh-huh. your music. Your journey yeah. on your West African yes. djembe. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and you also mentioned you play a flute. I've heard you play a flute. It doesn't sound like you're just blowing through a flute. You know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and wh- did you take lessons for that? Is that no. something that you you just felt comfortable being able to do? Um, yeah, with your background on the drums. Yeah, um, a, what, a Native American flute has a pretty simple way to play. So I think it was more about expression, just sort of feeling mm-hmm. a rhythm or a, a melody or a song, and being able to get the right tone on the flute. Right. Yeah, to play. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you had taken a yoga class, and, and that's kind of what exposed you to the djembe in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, and and now you are a yoga teacher, and, and you teach in, um, in Sawyer, Michigan. You do private lessons, but you also do um, regular classes throughout the week. Um, tell us about your journey uh, with yoga. When did you first start doing it? How did you get exposed to it? When I was probably 18, I started running and wanted to do stretching, which led to yoga. Um, But I guess back up before then, just since I was a little kid, I was always interested in, um, I would call it the healing arts. At the time, I didn't know that's what it was. Uh But I was a pretty intuitive kid who um, felt like I could sort of read people's energy and I was so I've been into it ever since I was little so it wasn't like I had a moment where I was like oh I'm gonna do yoga it was I think a progression of already wanting to do that and then finding it Uh uh-huh right so you wanted to do it not Mm -hmm. knowing that that was the language that you were seeking to learn right and so and I started from a book so I had a book how to do yoga and started from a book and from there at the time I don't think there were many classes around, Um, but as I grew just from reading books and getting my own knowledge, yoga was becoming more popular and then started taking classes. So I've I've been doing yoga for quite a while, um, but I hadn't gotten certified to teach until about 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and when we're talking about yoga, we're talking about primarily the classes, what, what would you refer to as the asana arm of yoga, but that's just the the tip of the iceberg with yoga, right? Correct. And um, so there's, what, eight um, arms of yoga? Seven? <laughs> <laughs> they call it eight branches. Eight branches, yeah, eight branches, of, branches yoga? of yoga. Okay. Which is sort of a general um, thing with yoga. Yeah, the asana practice in the West has become extremely popular. And so people tend to think that that's, it's the physical exercise practice of yoga. Um, but Breathing is a big thing. Focusing your mind, meditation, um, is is really the origins of yoga. 
In fact, the physical practice is only about 200 years old from what Mike Singleton is a a historian, Mm -hmm. and he went back to find out when this thing of asana started um, because in the original book of yoga, they don't even really mention um, triangle pose or warrior uh-huh, pose. Right, right. So it was more about meditation and focus and breath work. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and the asana practice is really to prepare you for the other uh, branches. Sure. It's, it's not a linear thing necessarily, okay. but it was the idea. Um, I mean, there's different theories that when meditation was um, considered yoga, let's say in India, th- the, guys would be sitting in in lotus pose, let's say, for days, just trying to meditate, and they realized, okay, they need to physically take care of their body. So they're not trying uh, to transcend and get out of the body. They need to take care of this body. Right, right, um, okay. But there's, there's a bunch of different um, theories about how it actually got to India, one being that um, this started in um, Sweden or Switzerland. Originally Asana Yoga uh, did? I think Sweden, or? yeah. Okay. The, and it was a gymnast that had created this physical practice for athletes that got exported to India. Oh, funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting story. Most people, at first when I heard it, I was like, wait, what? I thought, <laughs> I thought the Asana practice was the origin of yeah, yoga. Yeah, that everything but, yeah. That everything was sort of like yeah. suggestive around that. Yeah. Uh, so for, uh, standard yoga... As we know it in the West, the asana yoga classes, those are, um, you need some kind of training in order to be certified to do that. And uh, what kind of training did you receive in order to become a yoga teacher in America? I uh, ended up choosing, it was was a difficult choice of where to go, but I ended up uh, training with Anna Forrest. And she has a, she's developed her own style called forest yoga. Like the trees, forest. With an extra R. (laughs) Yeah, with an extra R. Um, But I had been taking yoga for a bunch of years. And my first forest yoga class, I was really intrigued because I found it very challenging. Um, Also got me very in touch with my body and what I was doing and spent a lot of time with breath and feeling. So I... What made forest yoga more challenging than other types of yoga that you had been experiencing? Um, I found that it required a lot more um, alignment, getting into your body and really feeling what you were doing while you were doing it. So for example, bridge pose. I had been to many classes, had done bridge pose quite a few times, but I hadn't really understood what I was using, muscles in my body, activations, um, my core. So forest yoga focuses quite a bit on core work. And bridge pose is when you're lying on your back and you raise your hips up right. uh, with your with your legs bent. Right. Yeah, feet flat on the floor. And so previously I had lifted my hips up and went into bridge and then I would come out of bridge. So I hadn't really stayed in a pose quite as long as I did when I took my first forest yoga class. Mm-hmm. And when I did... Um, They said, get your feet active. So you were pressing down into the four corners of your feet. Your toes were lifted. I was tucking my tailbone. I was tractioning my ribs up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't can't even hold this pose. And I'd been doing it for years. So I thought, wow, this was tough and very intriguing. Yeah, yeah. So – But your whole mind is so focused on being in that spot that you – 
um, you lose yourself. Uh, you know, you, you get into a different part of your head where you're um, not like, oh, how much longer do I got to do this? You're focusing on your breath and then you're able to hold that pose for an extended period of time. And all of a sudden, you know, you've been in the pose for um, minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think slowing it down so that I could really feel what I was doing got me more connected to my body, got me more connected to my breath. I was getting out of my brain, getting more present. Um, But it was challenging to start with. Um, And then I ended up on a force, came to Chicago. I went to a a weekend workshop just to see if how she was, if, if I liked her and I wanted to do her training. And I don't think I've ever been that sore in my life, <laughs> not to scare anybody, but it, it was true. I, I realized that um, I had weaknesses in my body that I um, wasn't strengthening through regular yoga classes. Uh-huh. Um, so I did my training with her, which was a foundation training, a 200-hour training. How long between going to that initial class with Anna Forrest and then getting the teacher training for, through her? It was probably like six months later and she she travels all over the world doing teacher trainings and she happened to be in Wilmette convenient um, in 2010 Uh so I signed up and it was a month-long training where we would start at like 6 a.m. and finish about 6 p.m. hard to have a day job with uh, that kind of training no it was definitely an immersion Um, and we would start off in the morning with a two-hour practice very intense practice, but amazing because as as I went through the month, I became super strong. So that so holding, you're able to see your progression yeah, through that. Yeah, and holding a pose to me at this point is no longer. I'm I'm going to say it's challenging, but it's not difficult anymore. Yeah, because I've learned how to activate and and use different muscles for support rather than just one muscle group or a couple, Uh if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, So that was in 2010 and you've evolved your training to be a little bit more, you know, from you. It's not like you're just repeating what you learned in your training. You've, you've created sort of your own style through that. Yeah. So when I, I, I really I took my training and started teaching with just a couple friends um, and was very I, I stuck to the forest class exactly because that it's kind of normal right uh-huh. just to stick to what you sure. learned and but as as I grew in my own practice and start to started to really understand my body I started incorporating um, more muscle activation so it's Rather passive stretching, this is is strengthening while you stretch. So it's contracting your muscles in a way to help activate rather than just passively stretching. And I found that to be extremely effective um, in the practice. And then just evolving um, with the group of people here in Michigan, you know, seeing what what they need and and their um, levels and skills, and you know, creating classes so that I can incorporate everybody. So I, I feel like I've designed classes where we're moving at a pace that doesn't pull you apart. So it's you're able to breathe and feel, so it's not so fast. Um, but it, it also isn't a restorative class necessarily, where um, which I love, but it's not like where you're just laying down and breathing and moving sl- really slowly. This is moving slowly, but it's also very strengthening. Right. And yeah. uh, 
is physically difficult to do as opposed to like a yin class where you might, and I think that's what you meant by restorative, uh, where you are just sort of lying in the pose and your gravity is, is stretching you, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be able to offer levels for people, because my, my main thing, and I think, you know, cause you've taken my class, you take my taken classes, a couple, classes. A couple of them, um, is that I always say, start with your breath, because I find that when you're breathing deeply and openly, you you are actually tapping into your parasympathetic nervous system, you're calming, you're releasing tension, which is what I want for people to do. Um, and to move that sort of slowly and mindfully through your practice, offering different levels and options, gives people a chance at whatever physical level where they are, they're able to do the practice. Because by the time you leave, I want you to feel relaxed and energized rather than stressed out from moving at a pace where you can't deal right, and your breathing right. is shallow and choppy. So, and that, and that really is, um, for me, the most important part of the practice. Everything else, I always say it's creative movement around an open, calm breath. And it seems that a big part of the breathing and um, getting into the poses is a uh, there's a sub theme to trying to be in the present and and uh, not be you know thinking about oh I've got to go and pick up the kids after yoga or I, I can't wait to get that cup of coffee or you know things that you were doing beforehand is like oh man why did I do it like that it, it's very much about being in the present. And is that whole notion about being in the present and getting yourself to that that mindset while you're doing yoga, it, is that um, a traditional yoga uh, th- um, theme or or dictate? Uh, or is that just, you know, they it hadn't been earlier articulated, but now it just, it, um, it that's where it gets you. And so there's more talk about it like that. You mean there's more talk about it in a yoga class? Yeah, said? yeah. Or, I mean, what I guess I'm getting at is, uh, is that one of the typical branches or is oh, that yeah. something that's, yeah. okay. Yeah, so so our minds are always active and we call it the monkey mind. Yeah. The mind's always going, 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 going. Um, so to be able to just let your mind be more of the observer of what's happening, which is why breathing can help to control the mind, the chatter in the mind. Uh, it can bring you into that yeah, focus. into the present moment where, like I'll say in class, breath doesn't exist in the future or the past, only the present moment. Right. So by resting your attention on your breath and just following your inhale and following your exhale, it helps to just bring you into the present moment and you'll start to feel the experience of it. It's, it's like you can talk about it all day long, but when you get yourself into that place where you're breathing and you're just allowing yourself to be in the present moment. It's like you feel your body relax. You feel more energized and calm. Yeah. And I want to get back to that. Uh, yeah. I want to play another one of your songs. Um, any, any that sort of jump out as, as carrying these themes that we've been talking about over the last half hour? Sure. Maybe play, um, I think it's called Project Experiment Wide Awake. All right. Sounds good. I'll do that. Uh, You are listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and I'm here with uh, my special guest, Elizabeth Nudie, who is a local artist, musician, 
and yoga teacher, and um, we're going to listen. And you're listening on Radio Harbor Country, and it's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And uh, we're going to play that song from Elizabeth Nudie, Project Experiment Too Wide Awake. original that's for sure <laughs> thanks i like that uh and that was something you did not this year a couple years ago yeah and um also through garage band and i you know listen apple who makes garage band apple microsoft i don't know but they're, they're probably going to be like oh wow who knew we had this available <laughs> to... um, but that was mostly um layers of of sounds that were available in GarageBand or um, selected from somewhere else, mm-hmm. not your um, actual playing of a of a musical instrument. Although there might have been some bells in there. Yeah. So yeah, that was just the layers of an ohm track that uh-huh. I have. So like a sea of ohms. So just creating an atmosphere for class, not uh-huh. necessarily that I play these for classes. Yeah, yet. I don't think uh-huh. I've uh, heard of these played in class. <laughs> no, I'm getting I'm getting my new uh, um, album together. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, good. <laughs> but one. yeah, so those you'll have just... to let it, you'll have to come back on when it's uh, album release day. Absolutely, be All happy right. to. Okay, uh, so th- there's that style of song that you've created, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll listen to a couple more songs. But then there's also some that are almost like hip hop songs. Mm-hmm. Is that um, a newer interest of yours, hip-hop? or um, I hate to generalize or even genreize you know, songs, but uh, you know, some of the songs have words and um, 
mm-hmm. are a little bit more um, upbeat and not really the kind of thing that uh, mm-hmm. is going to relax you in the same mm-hmm. way as that one mm-hmm. would. So where does that come from? That seems like another branch of the mm-hmm. kind of music that you create. Yeah. Some of the other songs um, are influenced by the 80s, the 90s. I love music. <laughs> I love all varieties and genres of music and wanted to play around with lyrics. Um, I wouldn't consider myself uh, a singer, but I did go for it and laid, <laughs> down, <laughs> laid down some vocal tracks. So it was just, again, an experiment in sound and words and lyrics using, um, I think, one of the, the songs here uh, about a woman named Jima James. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and a friend of mine, and, and it was this story about her coming to consciousness and having choices down the road and uh, what choice she was, what road she was going to pick, um, the material one or uh, one more connected to her heart. And so I, I put down some lyrics, did a little rapping. <laughs> 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 and uh, again, just experimenting with sound and music and all my loves for for rhythm and yoga and soundtracks. I love uh, creating playlists for classes to create mm-hmm. an atmosphere. Yeah. Um, found that back when I first started yoga music or spa music uh-huh. is kind of good for, let's say, massage, but I never found it passionate enough or interesting enough to play for classes. So, That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. They have that uh, that uh, channel on Sirius XM. I think yeah. it's called Spa. Right. Just spa. And it is a kind of like a lot of that just, um, not just, but it's it's limited to sounds and impressions. Yeah. It's and relaxing. And very it relaxing. Be, right. Great to have on. But There's I found- actually a musician named Jonathan Goldman, which is my name, oh, obviously. Yeah. And I, I'm you know, he's got songs like, like, uh, well, I don't even know the name of the songs, but they're they're actually just tones, just right. You know, forty five minutes of tone keyed into certain frequencies. Yeah, yeah, to to resonate in your body. Right. So, which is great. I love it. Um, but I just think for yoga classes, I f- I find that taking people through a sound journey is as important um, as as the movement. Yeah. And so to create music that's not distracting for me as a teacher because I'm also talking and giving cues um, that it can be distracting with music that is conflicting right, with the lyrics right. or too many lyrics or yeah. or too intense. So I love creating a soundtrack that gets people in the flow and, and it's inspirational and it adds to um, the practice as much as the the poses and breathing. So to all go together. So let's add uh, yoga DJ to your <laughs> list of accomplishments. All right. <laughs> uh, well, and getting into the music uh, that you play in in yoga, you've also taken that to the next level and um, have started doing sound baths. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to your yoga classes, and I, I know that you uh, have these yoga classes uh, at the New Troy Community Center. Um, and you well, four or five times a week. Yeah, right? five times a week. A Skybird yeah. yoga, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, and so, what is the schedule for your regular yoga classes? So we do five classes a week: um, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday mornings from ten to eleven fifteen. Monday uh, is actually from ten to eleven thirty, and then Saturday and a Sunday class: Saturday at ten and Sunday at eleven. 
Great. Yep. Okay. And uh, for those, you primarily, you'll make some new playlists mm-hmm. for almost each one of the classes. And so that takes a little prep in terms of mm-hmm. selecting the songs to mm-hmm. be used. And um, I, I have to say, I, I don't hear too many repeats of the songs that you mm-hmm. choose. You've, mm-hmm. uh, you seem pretty focused on trying to create a new experience with each class. And mm-hmm. it's very nice. Yeah. Thanks. And and then um, what? A couple of years ago, you started experimenting with sound baths, and and now I have to say that you you really have it down. You know, you you've got a, a um, you've got a plan of how you're going to do it, um, and um, instruments that you're going to use for it, and you've um, put together uh, um, another musician to do it with you, and and there's a regular group that just loves doing these things. Uh, but then you always seem to get um, new people too. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what a sound bath is, first of all. So a sound bath or sound journey, some people call it gong baths. Um, it's a deeply meditative kind of an experience that utilizes instruments such as gongs, crystal bowls, bells, drums, voice, so instruments that have tonal qualities to them. Um, and sound has been utilized in various cultures for thousands of years as a tool for healing and self-discovery. Um, I started sound baths actually in the late 90s. We didn't call it sound baths at the time. But I was working with drummers from my ensemble, and we would do an experience. I wasn't teaching yoga, but I would take people through a little bit of a yoga sequence and then people would lay down and we would surround the group of people with drums. So in in West African, there are dundunes, which are um, bigger drums played with sticks. Mm -hmm. So we would set dundunes up around the room, like in the four corners of the room. And some people would play djembe and uh, instruments, bells, and, and flutes. So we would create this soundscape for people that anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. And um, also utilizing holotropic breathwork. So I was doing that back then. Um, which holotropic is a, breathwork. Mm-hmm. What is that? So it's, it's a... It's a breathwork that was designed by. I mean, it was breath. Breathwork goes way back. But sure. Stanislav Grof. We've been breathing. F- yeah. For as far back as I can right. remember. And pranayama has been used way back too. So, but San- Stanislav Grof, this guy from Germany, um, created or or invented this for the for the common people to do using uh, driving music. So it was very heavy in rhythm, and using a breath technique that gets you into um, sort of like your subconscious. So when you breathe like this, it starts, it's an open mouth breath. It gets you um, kind of into an altered state Uh so that you're able to access deep levels um, of of consciousness. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of like uh, when you breathe too quickly uh, or into a paper bag, (laughs) Uh, you know, that kind of thing where um, it... I'm trying to think of the like hyperventilating. Hyperventilating. Right. That so is what I'm thinking. This isn't hyperventilating. This is, but hyperventilating is a very simplified kind of yes, looking exactly. at it, but it's it's along those lines where, in the way that you you know can kind of change your consciousness with yeah. hyperventilating, this this is more specifically aimed at mm-hmm. changing your consciousness and right. getting you into a different mindset. Right. 
So we combined sound, the sound of drums with breathwork. And sometimes it was just drums and breathing, just in meditation. But people were fascinated with it, by it, the experience of it. They, it would open them up to creativity. It would bring them into an emotional uh, place in their body that they'd shut down, that they were able to release. So it was very effective, and um, I loved doing it. But that kind of faded out. Um, Your involvement in that faded out? Just with out? the group, uh-huh. and people okay. went their own directions, and sure, that kind of split sure. up. But then a few years ago, um, I started doing it, it again. Using so this was this time was by myself right right which was different than having ten ten musicians right Um, but uh, using a different breath technique that I've studied called uh, it's just like transformational breath which is a little bit more gentle and I think more accessible for most people Um, so I start each session with about thirty minutes of breathing transformational breath and it's done to music Um, I, I. tend to play recorded music because I'm coaching people through the breath part. And after about 30 minutes of breathing, you kind of get out of density from your body into a more expanded state. And then after that, uh, I play uh, 60 60 minutes of live sound music, including a gong, an earth gong, and crystal bowls, and um, have a, a... musician that helps me who plays drums and didgeridoo so it's it's a soundscape of music and it's done all laying down so some people it's very accessible for people who don't want to do uh the asana part of yoga right the stretching the stretching the the, um, physical movements yeah yeah so the sound bath experience um is just about letting sound uh take you into a deeper place making it easier to arrive in a, a relaxed state without complicating how to get there. So most people who are afraid of yoga, let's say, can come in. The whole experience is done laying down. So you bring blankets, you lay down, you get an eye pillow, and the the whole 90-minute session is, is done laying down. So. Does the music that you play, do, you know, does it, does it uh, create any direction – uh, towards a, a goal um, with the people that are there. In other words, you know, does it uh, by by make by playing music in a certain way? Does it? Uh, are you looking to create an effect in an individual, or is it just you know you've gotten to this relaxing place from the transformational breath, and this is just a further way to fully relax and. And allow your your body and mind to, you know, just kind of rest. It can be different for different people. My, let's say, goal, if you want to say, as as the facilitator, is to create a space for people to experience whatever it is that they need to experience. For some people, it's healing, physical healing, emotional healing. For some people, it's just to relax and um, meditate. So each person has their own experience. I found that the gong especially is is sort of a mysterious, magical instrument, yeah. <laughs> as you know. Um, but I, my dad, yes. I think recently, uh-huh. uh, last year, had, had a pretty bad fall and broke some ribs. He was in extreme amounts of pain. He had severed a lung. I mean, really pretty bad. Yeah, he um, was in bad shape. And he had never really 
come to experience a sound bath before. Right. And when not directly, you probably heard it a lot. <laughs> not not really even. <laughs> but when we were in Costa Rica, he took the opportunity to come to the sound bath and was blown away because he really felt that he could feel where it was healing in his body and he had never felt better. Um, after a week of doing sound baths. Yeah. So it was a real testimonial, too. And, and I think the breathing, the deep breathing and the expansion yeah. physically and and then the, the sound vibrations. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, what is your understanding about uh, how the sound uh, has, the, has a healing effect? Um, you know, what's the science behind it, so to speak? Well, I'm not a scientist. Oh. Uh, <laughs> however... And so, because there is quite a bit of science on sound and how it affects the body, but with the idea being that everything is made up of energy, and within the body are different frequencies. And if you've heard the word chakra, yeah, so there are energy centers in the body that resonate at different frequencies. And when energies in the body are misaligned, or there's illness or disease, mm -hmm. the sound from, let's say, a gong has a way of bringing the body back into balance through vibration, through... Right, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. And, but it is it is wild how it works. So it's kind of like the word entrainment. So like when you hear like clocks ticking or a clock is ticking and other clocks tend to um, get on the same page, oh, you know? Uh, it, I hadn't noticed that, but yeah. I, I think I know what you mean. Uh, even if they're not directly aligned your mind kind of hears them as having a pattern with them. Or, or the clocks will actually start to align themselves. Oh, really? Okay. So the idea that the, the vibration from a gong or music that's being played will help your body to come back into balance or the frequency uh -huh. of the gong or the bowls. So I've heard balancing your chakras, that's essentially the kind of, of uh, result that might happen yeah. from a sound bath. Mm-hmm. And is there other things, on, like on an individual basis, that could be done to, you know, ensure that that kind of things happen? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, if doing a, a group sound bath, you know, each person's a little bit on their own. Mm -hmm. uh, but if if there's a more directed approach, uh, are there ways to use that in order to, you know? have a goal of, hey, I got to balance this person's chakras or I want to balance my own chakras. Is that something that uh, um, can be done through a sound bath kind of experience? Yeah, I think sound has the direct impact um, to, again, help create that resonance in the body that helps create balance. So it's not me trying to do anything more than my intention is to create a space um, and create an atmosphere using the sound for right. healing. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, what's going through your mind as you're creating the 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 sounds mm -hmm. in the sound bath with the gongs and the and the uh, the uh, the bowls, the mm -hmm. vibrating um, bowls. Uh, you know, what is what are you trying to do in uh, with those instruments? I would say it's a good question. I think I'm responding to the energy in the room. I'm feeling um, what's happening 
in sort of an abstract way. Uh-huh. Um, so when I'm playing, I don't have any set. I'm, we might have like sort of a general framework of what we want to play or how, what instruments we're going to play in what succession. But when it comes down to playing, it's very organic um, and open for interpretation. So I think it's more about feeling. So I'm feeling the energy in the room. I'm I'm playing, um, expressing it through the music, sort of, again, as a soundscape. Right. I think I, I'm, I'm sort of a, a feeler type of a person, so I'm going to play more with feeling than a mental thing, a construct of I want to play this note in this way to get you to – it's just more about feeling. I see. Yeah. Okay. And so do you ever change it up based on how you're perceiving people to be responding to the music in the room? Probably, yeah, I would say, again, with that organic process yeah. of bringing the energy up or playing a little bit more intensely or feeling something, because the gong has a great way of moving energy through the body and out of the brain and sort of getting rid of you know, stress or you know, uh-huh. struggles. So right. if I'm f- I might be sensing that in the room, I might play with that. Yeah. So you have a sound bath coming up. I do. A week from, well, it's going to be, this This is playing on October 17th, Friday, October 17th. And the sound bath is going to, I'm sorry, October 18th is when this is playing. Okay. And the sound bath is going to be on October 19th. Correct. Uh, and that's going to be at the New Troy Community Center in New Troy, Michigan. Uh, what time is it going to be at? It's from 5 to 6.30. Tell us the details of sure, it. Sure, you bet, <laughs> okay. you bet. So, so, yeah, next Saturday, October 19th, from 5 to 6.30 is a sound bath and breath session. Um, doors open at 4.30. And this one is extra special in the sense that it's a fundraiser and benefit for the New Troy Community Center. Um, There's still a little bit of work to do at the New Troy Community Center. Yeah. Yes. So um, we are hoping to get... Uh, about $45,000 in grants and also um, proceeds from the sound bath on October 19th, all the proceeds I'm donating. Oh, that's great. To help to go to the renovation funds because this is an old school and the bathrooms haven't been touched since like the 50s. (laughs) So there's still kids' bathroom toilets and could use a little help. Um, So we're hoping to um, create bathrooms that are handicapped Cap accessible. Um, they're going to be doing um, holding weddings there. I do yoga classes, so a lot more people are moving through the community center, which facil- facilitates about fifteen different towns in the area, and it's one of the only community centers available. And oh, they just do some really uh-huh. wonderful things: food drives, yeah, yeah, coat they drives. Do. They have flea markets every weekend. Um, so it's just it's a really it's really a vibrant spot. It is. I gotta say, it is. And so. I know that there's other artists that do things in the building. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, your yoga classes are sort of front and center. I mean, they've done a really nice job of yeah. rehabbing that room. Right. And, um, you know, the new flooring and, and right. the walls are, it's really a, 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 and then the view of the, of the woods behind the building and mm-hmm. a lovely grassed area. I mean, it's really a nice experience in there. Yeah. But, I think with the, the sound bath, you're going to be in a, a whole in the gym, which is a much bigger room. Right. And I uh, last one I went to in the gym was packed. 
Yeah. So um, yeah. how can people sign up for this ahead of time to make sure that they have a spot? Sure. So um, they can go directly to my website to register, and it's um, e newti.me so e n u t i.me and on the homepage of what's on there is um, a place where you can click on the sound bath and RSVP and it's a $25 suggested donation and you're welcome to you know give what you can and again all proceeds will go to uh, New Troy so so people can give more than the $25 absolutely. if they want to yeah absolutely so whatever they feel that, you know, they want to yeah. contribute. So it just helps out everybody. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so what uh, instruments do you anticipate bringing with you that day? I will have my earth gong. All right. And that thing's, what is it, a 36-inch? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it's huge. Yeah. It's five feet high or something? The no. actual, the gong itself? The gong, it's, pr- it's probably mm, three and a half feet, oh, four okay. feet. Yeah. <laughs> Not that big. It seems big. seems big. <laughs> Uh, the stand is probably yeah. five feet high, but that thing creates so much yeah. sound and um, a, a really quite amazing, actually. Yeah, and I'll have crystal bowls, uh-huh. so I have about five different crystal bowls that are different frequencies, different and frequencies, stuff. And, and the different frequencies do they affect the different chakras? Yeah. I remember there was some. Yeah, each okay. each chakra has a different note, so the bowls that I have um, correspond to different chakras, and again, it's a real feeling experience. So yeah, you, you'll feel it. You'll feel it in your body. Um, we'll have didgeridoos, uh, frame drum, um, Native American flute, chimes. All right. Yeah. So a bunch <laughs> of different things. Yeah. Yeah, that didgeridoo is is amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric is mm-hmm. a, a, a terrific didgeridoo player. It's yeah. not an easy instrument to play. He, it, It's, what is it, about uh, five, uh, seven feet long? And it's this long, uh, hollow piece of wood mm-hmm. and you blow in it and it makes this sort of crazy sound yeah but he has a way of being able to keep the pressure on even while he's breathing yeah it's circular and, breath yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's an amazing it talent is. I, I, it is. I think that he's um, super talented yeah, yeah he really is yeah and he's got a, a he fits right into the whole scene of um it was yeah. great that he and I connected. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's on the same page and it's been really fun working with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you still have spots left for I next do. Saturday? There's okay. still spots. All right. We got um, it. And even if people are coming last minute, I think we'd probably still have enough room if they just wanted to come uh, around four thirty and show up. Okay. Yeah. All right. But, and I just Better encourage to everybody to bring something to lay down on because, right. Um, it's important to get comfortable. So even if yeah. you bring camping pads or blankets and then a blanket to cover yourself with, because we'll be laying down for yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. And and your body is lying still, so it can get a little chilly. So mm-hmm. yeah, blanket on top and mm-hmm. and some good padding underneath. Absolutely. And a, um, even like something to go under your legs to sort of- A bolster. Your, mm-hmm. Yeah, to fit your back squarely onto the floor to make it a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Comfort is is definitely necessary for uh, something like that because you're lying on a on a floor for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Although I will say after the transformational breath, sometimes you can't, you're not really even feeling your body. You're just sort of in a feel of, of being in a suspended space. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it before. I've done it before, yeah. Uh, it's a great experience. So 
if you haven't done it before, that that's a good time to to give it a try. Yeah. And and you know, like you were saying before, it doesn't require any yoga experience, and it it doesn't. Yeah, it, anyone it, can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. You're just lying there. And I think you know the situation with your dad is a perfect example. He was a little bit of a naysayer. Yeah. And and now he just he's had everyone. He's got his own lying down equipment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's yeah. got his. He's in. Yeah, he's deep. <laughs> uh, so what I want to do is close out the radio hour. You're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks and 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Um, we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And uh, we are... We've been talking with Elizabeth Nudie. I'm going to close out the radio hour with one of her original songs, and uh, I'm going to play two of her original songs. These are two more recent songs, I think. Well, at least uh, we were. She was talking about uh, Jima James. Jima James. Jima James. This is a good friend of Elizabeth that she wrote the song about, and uh, we're going to close out with that one. And then may play another one before we break into the um, podcast hour. And here we go.
Purpose protects. Love is the answer. Only fear rejects. back this is uh officially the podcast now that was uh Liz- I'm, I'm here with elizabeth nudie and that was a um a vocal song jima jeans talked about that a little bit before but you know uh, it's really pretty intense I, how did you go about putting that one together Again, layers of voice and experiment. It's all my voice, so yeah. using different filters. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need somebody to sing. Well, I guess I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I need a chorus. I guess I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just a fun fun way to take lyrics and, and you know, yeah, mix it, mix it that's together. Great. Yeah. Was there any particular band that inspired you or music that you heard that kind of inspired that style of, of uh, song that you created there? I can't say there was anything in particular. I know some people that have heard it say, oh, it's like Madonna or Lauryn Hill, or it's sort of is right. reminiscent of the 80s or has a little bit of that, a little bit. that flavor. Yeah, I guess so. But no, but, it's very yeah. original. It's, yeah. It doesn't sound like anybody yeah, else, really. I'm, yeah. So I know that, uh, you know, drumming has kind of been the, the consistent, um, uh, piece that you worked with over all these years in your musical creativity. Um, are there any particular drummers that, uh, that you, you know, gravitate toward or, uh, or, you know, just appreciate or emulate? Um, oh gosh. I, I mean, yeah. Drummers. I just saw Zakir Hussein, who's oh. a, a taba player who's phenomenal. Um, some of my uh, teachers, uh, Madhu Dembele, is outstanding as a West African drummer. Cool. Um, but, you know, more pop music. Um, gosh. Sheila E, maybe? Oh, Sheila E yeah. was big. Yeah, yeah. the Foo Fighters. Uh-huh. Um, I mean... Dave Grohl. Yeah, Dave uh-huh. Grohl. Um, gosh. I mean, there's so many right now. I'm just sort of yeah. blanking. Okay, but yeah. yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know what we didn't talk about during the radio hour was some of your art. Oh, And, yeah. I mean, you are, I will say, you are a very incredible artist. It, it, you know, you are a, a very, how would I say this? I, I mean, your artwork looks like what you're painting. Mm-hmm. So it's a very realistic look to it. Almost, some of them can almost look like a photograph uh, in a way, mm. um, what what kind of training did you get for um, art? What mediums do you use? Um, you know, where did that come from? 
Um, I'm I'm a self-taught artist, so back to the whole self self-taught <laughs> thing. So yeah, as a kid, I was very into artwork, doing art, any kind of projects. Um, as I grew with painting, I started um, showing my artwork in '96, 1996, at the Mars Gallery in Chicago, doing a little bit more of surreal narratives. So taking right. objects and bringing a, a more of a, a an emotion or a char- or characterizing characterizing okay. um, objects. Good, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I, yeah, I can see that in in the pictures that I have seen. I I recognize that behind them. Yeah. yeah, and then taking yoga again, sort of consciousness and mm-hmm. and uh, the human condition, and bringing that into my artwork. Yeah, through uh, objects and characters, and yeah. so things that are real, things that are fantasy. Yeah, but and and that's the painting. Uh, mm-hmm. But you also use other mediums. I I know that you've created other pieces like um, dream catchers. You do yeah. that a lot, and then uh, you've um, done some things with um, uh, with gourds and right. creating um, right. bird theater or um, bird's bird, nest kind of bird houses bird yeah. houses yeah, yeah. Us- using again like mandalas and dots and yes. symbolism that uh, it, everything seems to flow you know from yoga into my artwork and right and back time yeah. up <laughs> no just kidding uh that yeah okay i got that mm-hmm. um but i mean it's it's sort of beyond yoga i mean yoga is sort of a a, a quick way to define it but i think it uh it gets into other kind of cultural interests you talked about mandala that's not necessarily yoga based but uh it's something that certainly gets exposed through yoga but um, mm-hmm. what it essentially is a mandala so it's it's really a, a journey a, a wheel of consciousness so it's the path to consciousness so again i think it is all right okay is, maybe it, it is, is right on yoga it is related a visual <laughs> yeah 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 which makes sense right? one of the other branches that maybe i'm not <laughs> yeah. as familiar with <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah um and just yeah bring bringing a message through art and it's not necessarily my message i really like to create artwork that's open to interpretation for other people to inspire their own inner voice, their own thoughts, their own creative process. Right. Okay. And that kind of brings me to this, um, this product, I, for lack of a better term that you developed, I want to say maybe 10 years ago called the wish deck. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I'm wrong on the date, but, um, explain what a wish deck is. So the Wish deck is a deck of cards, 58 cards with illustrations that I created to open up communication. And essentially, the basic thing is to let your inner voice out, because I think we all have this quiet inner voice inside of us that gets lost when we are in our brains and the brain, the monkey mind again, back to yoga, is extremely active and we're not listening to what's actually happening um, what we're thinking, what we're feeling. So Wish Deck was created. You were pr- pretty close. I think it was probably like 15 years ago. Okay. And I, at the time, was working um, at an illustration firm in Chicago doing kid art. So my job every day was to go in and draw like a kid for eight hours a day. Really? Because the artwork <laughs> that I would create, kids would use for the photo shoot that would go into uh, workbooks, like for school. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. 
but kids, they couldn't spend all the time to try to get kids to draw the pictures, so I yeah. would draw like a kid. Oh, interesting. Um, which opened up my creativity because I'm using, I was just letting go. I was I was drawing upside down and backwards. Uh-huh. And I think it opened up my own creativity, which inspired me to create this deck of cards, um, which ended up being called the Wish Deck. Yeah. And... Um, well, I experienced I've seen it, mm-hmm. and I've experienced it as almost like uh, a friendly tarot card kind of thing. You pick a card, and you look at the picture, and you kind of interpret it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by interpreting it, you're opening up discussion, and sometimes that discussion is about you know how you're feeling at the time. Oh, is this reflective of how I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. Is it not reflective of how I'm feeling? Is this you know a message about you know something else going on or and it it helps to open up that discussion mm-hmm. and uh but each one of the pictures is is beautifully done uh and in sort of that that kid drawing mode but you know no one would mistake it for a a child's actual artwork yeah um and it it uh, but it has that simple friendly kind of feel to it mm-hmm. uh, but so you have 52 separate scenarios on these cards i mean you know that in and of itself uh, no two are alike and they they don't they're not like oh this is a reflection of of uh you know me going to uh, on a bike ride or something like that it's not like that it's it's very much its own little vignette that you came up with that is that is broad enough to be able to open up a discussion so how did you come up with that so the idea behind it was to give the, – the original idea was to give parents uh, a tool to use with their kids for communication to express – so kids could learn how to express themselves because effective communication is a learned skill. And I my, – in my family – communication was not a big thing. <laughs> so as I grew up, I realized, oh, I have all these feelings, but I'm not sure how to communicate them, especially in uh, a conflict. Yeah. So in relationship to like uh, someone else. So I felt that I couldn't be the, I wasn't the only one that had had that experience. So I, I wanted to Certainly give not. yeah parents a tool that they could use with their kids to help them express themselves, essentially. And the images from the cards came very fluidly um, with just situations or experiences that some someone might have growing up. So, but I wanted to also keep them open for interpretation. So I had the word kind of, let's say, fear as an example. Okay. Uh-huh. And then the illustrations came out. I wasn't thinking about what I wanted to draw again because I was in that kid art mode. So I just let it flow. So 58 cards later, uh, the inspiration sort of stopped. And I thought, okay, hmm. I'm done. And um, Wow. It, almost like you got channeled. Yeah. Uh, it was very yeah inspired inter- like that. Very yeah. intense. Yeah. And then it wasn't until about six years ago that I finally – decided to publish them. So oh, okay. Yep. All right. So you'd created them all that time yeah. ago, but then went ahead and published them more recently. Yeah. 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 And they're available through the same website, enudie.me? They are, and they're also available through wishdeck.com. And wishdeck.com. Yeah. Okay. And anybody can use them. Teachers use them in schools for creative writing and communication. Right. 
but um, parents can use them with kids. But I find most adults <laughs> use them yeah. for opening up dialogue uh, at a dinner party. Yeah, it's They're great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like yeah. a little party trick kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, the conversation goes into some interesting places. Right. It is helpful <laughs> to have somebody um, help interpret them. Um, because I think each one of them has has a story behind it, and sometimes uh, without experience in, of using them, um, it, it's not as as robust of a of a way to to look at it. That's a good point. I mean, I think for some people who connect on that level or in that way with images, it's very easy for them to express. Yeah. And even kids, like I was just... Probably was, kids, kids pick it up know how to far play. more. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, I know how to play this. Where adults, we tend to shut down again that, that uh-huh. part of ourselves. And we're just looking at it as like, how does this reflect our experience? Right. And, you know, a little bit too, too rote. In, yeah, uh, we can get a little too literal. It. Yeah, right. Too literal. With like, yeah, right. Good point. But but yeah, so to have someone do re- do a reading for you or interpret is pretty interesting too because it also taps into their intuition yeah. about you. So right. even strangers doing this with each other, it's amazing that they're like, "Wow, I didn't. How did you know that about me?" Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it is also kind of fun. Um, and you have them in your classes. You have a, a mm-hmm. deck sort of spread out mm-hmm. on the table. And then after class, anybody can go up and kind of put, turn over a card. And and sometimes it's indicative of it, it almost will it, – it, it's almost like an interpretation of in a, in a chance kind of way of how you might be feeling. It's almost like yeah. by picking that card without knowing what it is and then, then you look at it, it's like, oh, this explains how I'm feeling right now. Exactly. Or, or sometimes it doesn't, but, but it's remarkable in how – it, um, it, it kind of has that that effect. Yeah. Of, it's like uh, you pick the card that you need. Yeah. And sometimes you'll pick the same card for days in a row. Yeah. Out of 58. That's always an interesting <laughs> one. You're wild. like, I have all these cards. I keep picking yeah. the same card. Right, right. Yeah. It's, and, and then every now and then you pick one that's totally different mm-hmm. and not even realizing it was in the deck. Right. Yeah. And then usually you'll find the connection of why you picked it. Right, right. So, yeah. And at the very least, I mean, even if, even though it is really all chance that you're picking a particular card, it does open up that line of communication. And even if you're just doing it for yourself, it's, you know, you, you realize that, uh, uh, you know, have a discussion with yourself. Yeah, you tap into those things uh that maybe you weren't um, listening to. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, gosh, it just take gives you that time to connect to your inner voice again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you're doing the sound baths. You're doing the yoga classes. Um, and uh, have you thought about doing any more recording? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we haven't recorded, done a full recording of a sound bath. So I don't have anything. Oh, yes. Um, so we're working on doing something like that. That's great. Yeah. And maybe getting that out onto my website so people can download. Uh-huh. Yeah. I will tell you, though, it won't have nearly the same effect as that gong right. in an in enclosed room. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just travels through you. I mm-hmm. mean, it, I, I, it, and after the transformational, uh, uh, the transformational breathing, mm-hmm. it just has this way of opening things up. And, you know, like I was saying, you know, sometimes you have a little bit of an out-of-body experience. You, like, feel uh, like you're suspended in mm-hmm. a way and... Uh, 
and it can just bring out emotions. It can bring out mm-hmm. – uh, it's it's a very, very intense thing. So mm-hmm. um, if you have an opportunity to experience it firsthand, that's, I think, you know, the strongest way of, of at least initially of hearing how a sound bath yeah, goes. the experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, October 19th. At uh, the New Troy Community Center in New Troy, Michigan, um, 5 to 6.30 p.m. on October 19th. Sign up by going to Elizabeth Nudie's website, enudie.me. Um, you could chance it and show up on that day, but these things fill up. And, uh, you know, even though it's going to be in that larger room, there's a good chance that it's going um, to fill up. But also, it's for a very good cause, which is to um, help improve the New Troy Community Center. It was a, a elementary school, or I think it might even have been technically a high school at one point, like a I think it was like K a through twelve middle, building, a middle school, yeah, or a middle thing. school, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it, like you said, it's it's a little bit tired, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the some of the common areas need some updating and. Uh, and you're very graciously donating the proceeds to the New Troy Community Center or the Friends of New Troy mm-hmm. in order to be able to to do this work. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, what twenty five dollars? But of course, you can donate more, mm-hmm. and that's it's a kickoff for a full fledged fundraiser in order to do some of these improvements that are um, being looked at, being done at the New Troy Community Center. Yeah. Uh, why don't we close everything out with uh, another song? What, what do you think here? Which which one do you want? I've got this go vertical or <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> no? Sure, okay. whatever you want. You can just All right, pick one. Okay, and I, uh, I'm John Goldman. You're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash, and I've been talking with uh, artist, yoga teacher, musician uh, Elizabeth Nudie. Uh, from Skybird Yoga in New Troy, Michigan. And uh, we're going to close everything out with uh, her one of her more recent songs. Actually, looks like it might have been a couple years ago. But um, uh, has vocals in it, right? Has vocals. All right. Uh, and you're listening to us uh, through the Johnny Secret Stash podcast, available through Podbean or iTunes. And um, also we have, uh, you can listen to us through the radio, uh, Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, or WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And of course, that can all be streamed through the RadioHarborCountry.org website. And uh, thanks again for coming in, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. And here we go with Go Vertical. Go vertical. Don't be cynical, cause you're more than where you came from, and your mind has got you prisoner. 
see the lie, kiss it goodbye. With love to light the way home and wings to help you fly. Stand up right.